Welcome to Probably Bothered, the podcast that cuts through online business myths so that you can redefine your version of success. Because I believe if you aren't a little bit bothered, you probably aren't paying attention. Today's conversation is with Aubriana, and she is an intuitive and energetic business coach. And we dive into so many gems. The chief among them is how to consider energy in your life and in your business if you haven't necessarily considered yourself maybe on the more energetic side of this spectrum. She gives a lot of great tips about how to really start feeling into things without having to picture them in your brain, which I can't do. We also dive into marketing We dive into structure in a flowy business, and we dive into selling out of integrity. She honestly is one of those people that everything that she says is just, it's right on the money. I love following her on TikTok. I loved this conversation, and yep, I'm speaking in past tense because I already had the conversation, Um, but you guys are going to love it. Stay tuned, and here we go. I'm super excited for this conversation today with Aubriana, and I feel like I always start saying that I'm super excited because I have the best guests, but this one I'm I'm even more excited for because I first, I'm going to say quote unquote, met Aubriana on TikTok, and her content always just really stood out to me because she just has this like calming, peaceful energy that I wish I could adopt. <laughs> So before I go any further, Aubriana, welcome to Probably Bothered. Oh my gosh. Talk about a compliment. You know, I have a background in energy work. So whenever someone says something or compliments my energy, I'm like, my little soul lights up. I'm equally as excited to chat with you too, Becca. Awesome. So I want to dive in to start with on the energy side, because I know that that is a huge part of your business and how you work with clients. And I think one of the things that I have struggled with is somebody who likes the woo side, but isn't always super in touch with the woo side is, I guess, kind of how, how does that come to be? And how do you kind of approach energy, especially in a way with people who aren't really in it yet? Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing about like, when you talk about the woo, right, is you really are creating separateness from yourself when you look at it through that lens. Mm -hmm. When I approach energy, I really like to look at it as like your mindset, your emotions, your feelings, your beliefs, all of that really is energy. And so when you're taking an energetic approach to your business, There, of course, are woo things that I like to incorporate, like rituals or crystals, but only if that's supportive to you. If that's not how you like to interact with energy, then we take a more embodied approach. Like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? How is your energy feeling in your business? And so I really like to meet people where they're at when it comes to energy. Not everyone experiences energy the same way or experiences downloads the same way. I know that you know this, but I taught intuitive development for 10 years. And that's something that I really have noticed is that, for instance, my wife, like she cannot visualize in her mind. So her experience of energy and my experience of energy, who's very visual, Mm -hmm. is very different. And so adopting and creating things that are supportive to you is the first way to integrate it into into your business and into your energy. 
I think um, when you look at like energy and we think about woo, people think of it as like the special thing that you have to do to create magic in your business. But really it's, it comes from inside. It's so internal. That's so interesting. I'm definitely one of those people who can't picture anything when I close my eyes. And I've noticed that, right? I've, you know, listened to some meditations and visualizations and things like that. And everyone will say, picture this and picture that. And I'm like, I just see darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if this helps you and maybe someone who's listening, who is also struggling with this, I don't think it's talked about enough. It's like, how do you tap into that like energetic being without the visualization, without like this imaginative energy? And so something that I like to do is have people drop into their body. So a really simple energy exercise you could do is observing a candle, right? With your eyes open, like focusing your energy on something physical to help sort of your mind shut off so that you can have those downloads. You can observe a flower or listen to the air conditioner and like as simple as you want it to be, just really focus your energy there so that your subconscious can come through and have those downloads where someone else might come into meditation and have this whole experience. Yours is going to be more physical and allowing your, your front conscious mind to focus on something so your subconscious can sort of talk to you. I feel like that is probably why I have more downloads or ideas when I'm on walks and things like that, because I'm doing something else and not so stressed for lack of a better word about what I can and can't picture in my brain. Yeah. And the other thing too, is when we look at like the gifts, so this is going out there for you, but when we look at the Claire's, right? So Claire Cognizance, Claire Sentience, Claire Audience, like there's different ways to experience energy in your body. And a lot of times we think of like this really psychic energy, like the visions and the instant knowing, but your body is holding this knowledge for you to tap into. And there's all these different ports that it can enter, but there's two really popular ones that we hear in the industry. And so it can sometimes create this ripple effect where if I'm not experiencing it this way, then I'm not experiencing it at all, or I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I really like to open up that definition and show people different ways that their body is maybe contracting when they think about something. Maybe you're noticing you're clenching your jaw. Like that is an intuitive download just as much as a vision is. You're blowing my mind a little bit. I feel like I've never heard energy talked about in this way. And when you talk about it that way, it not to make woo other, because I learned my lesson with that statement. But for those of us who don't understand as easily, maybe can I phrase it that way? Um, I, I understand how to to read my body, right? And I understand how to un- to see if my jaw has been clenched or my, I, you know, okay. Here's an aside story for you. One time I was in a group coaching program and I, it's, it, it, this was actually the origin story of this podcast. I ranted about everything I hated in this industry. And when I finished, everybody kind of looked at me and they were like, you need to say all of this. And when you were talking, you got, you like stood up straighter in your chair and your voice changed and like all of these different and everything that they mentioned was a physical trait, like something physically that they saw. And I didn't realize until you just said all of that, that 
that was energetics. <laughs> yes, it is. It is like you may experience it through your physical body. So for you, a really nice practice might be when you're talking about something, when you're thinking about something, it's like getting intentional and having those moments of observation mm-hmm. is an energetic practice because like you said, you didn't notice it in yourself. It was someone from the outside saying, Becca, like you puffed out your chest, like you were confident, you were radiant. And if you create these moments of awareness in your practice, like you'll come to a place where you notice that in yourself and you're like, oh, this is a full body. Yes. For me. Um, you'll hear me say that phrase. I'm like, it's a full body. Yes. For me. Cause my body often gives me energetic cues that I love to feel into as well. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. I'm going to steer this away from me because this whole episode is not about me. Uh, I would love to know a little bit more about your background and your approach to your business and, and how you decided to really create a business that's centered around energy. My gosh, this is like a lifelong journey. So I'm a natural born intuitive. Like I've always had abilities or, you know, gifts, I guess you could say like tapping into claircognizance is one of my highest knowing. So I'll just like know things and I'm like, yeah, I just know it (laughs) and it'll happen. And so noticing that from a young age, as well as having some interactions with spirit, I always felt very connected, very guided through my body and through energy and sort of lost that with like a religious background growing up going to school, noticing people weren't experiencing things the way I was experiencing them. And so I kind of just like shut it off, put it in the back of my mind and didn't really talk about it too much. And so growing up, it was probably around 22 that I had my spiritual awakening and I was in college sort of finishing up. I had um, flunked out of college the first time. Then I went back to school to finish my background in marketing and PR And so I was working in like retail sales at the time. So luxury sales, I should say. And I was kind of like in two worlds. I had this like very structured environment that was very marketing focused, like high pressure sales, like get the quotas. Mm -hmm. And I was having a spiritual awakening at the same time and realizing I don't feel complete. I feel like I'm living in different parts of myself as I'm in work as I'm in home. And I just didn't feel integrated. And so one day I was like, you know, what if I brought in some of this energy into my sales, like into work, just secretly, like I'm going to start manifesting clients. I'm going to not do their, (laughs) I used to have to do a lot of like cold calling. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel good in my body. It doesn't feel expansive. Mm-hmm. So I started implementing some of these like energetic laws that I was learning about in my spiritual awakening into my sales practice. And I blew up in the best way possible. I became the top salesperson. They were flying me across the country to train other stores. I was writing their training manuals and I was like, Whoa, this is so expansive. <laughs> Amazing. And so I was like, this is great. And on the side, I was teaching intuitive development. Still, I had my energy healing practice and I got to a point where I was like, I should do this full time. So I left my corporate job and (laughs) I fell flat on my face in my business because I didn't have any structure. I had only flow in my energetic practice. I was like, clients just come in whenever they leave, whenever I'm just going to create workshops when I want to create them, when it feels inspired. 
And so after about six months, I got really depressed and I went back to corporate and I was, um, in headhunting. So I worked partially in headhunting, partially in business. So I was a full cycle recruiter. I had to not only gain the business, but walk the client through and do all of the HR business development side with it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be my spot. I get to help people. I get to sell. I get to build businesses. And after about six months, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is my spot. And I got approached again to do a national sales training. I'm like, okay, this is the second time in my life that I'm being asked to do sales training. I'm being asked to expand people's businesses. And I'm like, what am I going to tell them? I'm like, that it's this woo woo stuff behind the scenes that is really blowing up my business. (laughs) And that's when I was like, you know what? There might be something to this. I was like, maybe if I mix my energetic side and my corporate side, I can really start something here. So I pitched my old students who had learned energy healing with me or worked with me in an an intuitive capacity to start helping them in their business. And I fell in love and I was so good at it. And I was like, holy crap, this is what I'm supposed to do. It was that epiphany, like the veil lifting, clouds parted, (laughs) if you will. And so I started taking clients and within one month I left my corporate job and have been doing it full time ever since. So this reminds me of a conversation that I've been having recently, and I want to get your take on it because one of the things that keeps coming up with me and, you know, my fellow like biz besties, if you will, uh, is this idea of wanting to do things differently. And when I say differently, I mean, not market ourselves in our business based on how much money you could make when working with us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the bottom line if I say it bluntly. Yeah. And so, but then also at the same time, this understanding of people do that because it works, right? Mm-hmm. Like it works to say, look at all this money that you could make. People like to be sold this like future abundance. So I'm curious to hear how, how you approach marketing differently and because the offers that you've created, they're not necessarily traditional. They don't, your marketing, I've seen your marketing. I found you on TikTok. It doesn't ever really, I can't think of a single video that says work with me and you'll make a lot of money. You have examples of clients who have had success. I feel like that's a different story, but your entire message is not quote unquote bro marketing. So I'd love to hear your take on building a business with an offer that is not necessarily traditional and with marketing that is not necessarily traditional. Well, that is why I left my job is I was so tired of that. And it was really out of integrity, integrity for me to Mm -hmm. sell in that way. And so when I left my job, I made a vow to myself that I wasn't going to operate out of my integrity. Like if I get to be wild and I get to make up this version of this job, I'm not going to replicate the corporate job that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So that was my first step was that awareness of this is what I don't want. So how can I call on what I do want? No one can promise you to make any amount of money, right? You know this, I know mm-hmm. this. I think most people in their heart know this, but there's something really validating and assuring when someone says you will make this 10 K month, your body wants to believe it because mm-hmm. you're probably trying to placate some sort of pain. 
So when I thought about my business, I thought, how do people want to feel in their business? More importantly, right? If you are feeling lit up, you are going to have the capacity and the tenacity to continue to show up and be consistent when it doesn't always work out, when it doesn't always fall into place. And so when you operate from an energetic level, we can support it with strategy. How can you get visible? How can you amplify your message? What is your messaging? And so when you operate from that, how do you want to feel in your business? I think it opens people up to a a different perspective that they hadn't considered, which everyone is really familiar with, that hustle, that grind, that push through to burnout. And so I think I'm speaking to a lot of people's heart that they, they know that they don't want to recreate that for themselves. And so I'm showing them a different way and giving them a different path to consider when coming into entrepreneurship. I, I really enjoy that, that, that that's the way that you answered. And honestly, I probably expected a lot of that answer, but the thing that I didn't expect that was kind of new to me was the idea of, um, basically you, you basically mentioned like, there's a possibility that things won't work out and that's okay. And that's part of the process. And it is so reassuring. And I've had a few conversations recently, um, based on this idea of like expectation versus reality, whether that Mm -hmm. is in the offer that somebody creates and people have a bad experience because their expectations were misaligned or our expectations as entrepreneurs in this space being that you start and in month one, you're fully booked and have 10 K months in your business with only being in business one month. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I feel like we don't have the conversation enough of the real expectations of starting a business, which are sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes launches fail. Sometimes you learn hard lessons, but then having, like you said, the capacity, what did you say? The capacity to be consistent. Like that's such a beautiful phrase. And I feel like we don't have this conversation enough. I 1000% agree with you. I, I don't know if you're on my email list. You probably are. Okay. Um, but I sent out an email a few months ago talking about how I had to push my launch date for a group program that I was running because I didn't get the response and how I adapted. And that's something I like to talk to my business coaching clients about is what if something doesn't go right? What's your oh shit plan? And we don't create an oh shit plan because we don't believe in our business or we don't believe in our offer. We create an oh shit plan because we do believe in our offer. What are you going to do to save this? Because you believe in it so much if reality hits and the market has changed or we're in a recession or we need to come up with more creative ways for people to enter our client journey. Like these are real parts of our experience as humans that we can support with energy and that we can manifest and defy the exceptions, but it doesn't mean that you're never going to face that reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that we do see that a lot, like book out your business in one month and you're brand new and you don't even have an offer in mind. And it's like, what? (laughs) And there's a, a phrase that you've probably heard in the industry, good marketing sells bad offers. And so I like to, oh, maybe not. I heard it, but I'm obsessed with it now. <laughs> yeah. And so I like to, you know, really bring my, my clients back home. And it's like, 
let's think about your client experience. Let's think about your client journey because good marketing can sell bad offers, but a bad offer is not going to create client retention referrals. It's not going to create sustainability in your income. People are going to drop out. You're going to face so many more backend problems by not doing it correctly. And so when I see these like bro marketing tactics, I, I kind of laugh and at the same time kind of cry because I know that the people who are putting their faith in these marketing people are going to see very short-term success, if any success at all. Absolutely. I want to rewind a little bit because one of the things (laughs) that you said earlier that caught my attention was talking about um, the first time that you started your business and you had too much flow and not enough structure. Yeah. So I'm really curious how, how do you structure your days or your weeks and kind of what does that look like now? Because I don't know, I feel like I... And one of those people who's like, I love being an entrepreneur because I don't have to be corporate. And that means I get to do whatever I want. And I like to create content in the moment, but I have struggled also with this need for structure, but figuring out structure in a way that works for me and doesn't feel corporate. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point is to not feel corporate. So yeah, I'd love to hear about your take on that. So one, it's all about finding what works for you. So I have ADHD, which means I need to be stimulated in order to show up. (laughs) I need to be rewarded. (laughs) And so every day, my, my days really do look different, but something that I commit to is what I call like flowy structure. So I say, um, Tuesday through Thursday, I'm going to show up in my business at least two hours a day outside of client calls. Mm-hmm. where I'm doing background marketing, I'm creating content, what have you. And days where I'm feeling really high energy or inspired, I will probably film a bunch of content and I'll bank it. Okay. So that I can create content that's in the moment, but I also have banked content for the days where I wake up and I feel like a piece of crap and I'm like, I cannot show up today. This is not going to happen. I have a reserve of things that will continue to allow my business to progress forward. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like honoring your energy and business. It's not just like pushing through, but planning for your energetic cycles. So I have learned to plan for my energetic cycles. I'm like, all right, around, you know, this time of the week, like I like to front load my week. So I will probably do like a lot of calls on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, typically lighter. And I don't normally work Monday, Fridays. <laughs> Because I like to do back-end stuff. I don't take client calls. Or if I want to go and have an extended weekend, I will. That gives me the flow and the freedom that makes me feel like, okay, I have the capacity. And gives me the rest to show up really guns blazing when I am in my two-hour segments, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, to really be productive. So that's what I found that works for me. When I'm helping a client find a structure and a flow that works for them, I first like to like talk to them about their energy. Like, are you someone who wakes up in the morning and you're ready to go? Are you someone who likes to create at night? We don't have to work in this eight to five paradigm as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so we first have to kind of deprogram from that and look at what really works for you. And then we can add in the structure to support like this flowy piece of energy. So I hope that's kind of an answer. I feel like it's so individualized, but that's a little peek into how I personally operate. Yeah, I love it. I like that answer. I feel like 
I have struggled with it. And I know that other of my friends have struggled with it too. And I like the idea of saying like, I just need to do two hours. And honestly, if I'm being honest, if I'm not making a website for a VIP day, which is like an eight hour day, of course, or working with clients, I probably am only working about two hours a day, like heads down focused work. But I found myself recently sitting down and making up tasks Mm. and getting a little bit more into that like corporate headspace of I should be doing this and this and this when I really don't need to be doing those things. So it's a good reminder. I call that pseudo productivity. Yeah. So it's like something, and this is very much an energetic thing that maybe you haven't realized you're having fear come up that you're not doing enough. And so your body is switching into pseudo productivity and giving you all these things to fill your awareness with that aren't actually going to move your business forward. Mm -hmm. And so when we're deprogramming from pseudo productivity, it's like something we have to help our bodies learn and help our nervous systems learn is that it is safe for us to have rest and to have space in the process. We are so used to the paradigm of like, okay, eight to five, like you need to be hustling. What are you doing? If you're leaning, you should be cleaning. Like something needs to be happening. (laughs) You should be cleaning. (laughs) Yeah. You have to deprogram from that if you want to operate differently. Right. And for me, honestly, one of the things I've noticed is creating, I'm doing air quotes for all of you guys who can't Mm. see me, creating rules. Um, So like, I felt super guilty for a long time about not starting my day at 8 a.m. when I was full-time mm-hmm. in my business at the beginning. And so then I realized I just needed to tell myself when I do start my business or start my work. So I start at 10 a.m. every day and I don't feel guilty for a single second from the time I wake up till 10 a.m. that I'm not doing something focused on work. And as soon as I decided that and made it a rule, quote unquote rule, mm-hmm. all of the guilt went away. It was just, that's what I do. That's how my business operates. I love that. (laughs) That's the decision I made. And that's what happens. (laughs) That's what I call an energetic minimum. It's like where there's like a new operating frequency. Like before your energetic minimum was very corporate. You're like, wake up at eight, like, let's get it going. And then when you made the decision and the commitment to say, I'm no longer going to feel guilty about this. I'm going to start at 10. That's your new minimum where you're able to operate in that space. And for anyone who's finding it hard to shift out of that space of guilt, shame, or what have you, here's some questions I want you to ask. One, who told you you had to start at 8 a.m.? Two, is it a fact or a feeling? So you felt guilty for not starting. So it's like, is this a fact that I have to start at 8 or is it a feeling that I have to divest from? Mm -hmm. And the more that you realize that you're operating out of a space of feeling, then you can start to introduce opposing information of like, well, there are people who work 10 to five, 10 to six. Like, that's not a fact. It's, that's just what I feel like I have to do because of my programming. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I have another favorite conversation and I'm really curious for your take on this. So one of the things that I love to talk about on the show is redefining success. Mm. And I know that there are, are a lot of different takes on this and I know that your answer is not going to be having a six figure <laughs> business. So, um, I'm going to put a little spin on, on it though. So I have two questions for you. 
one, how do you define success in your life and your business? And two, this is a bit of a longer question. I have started to notice in certain conversations that some of my fellow entrepreneurs are doubting that their version of success is quote unquote good enough for society. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do you focus on your version of success and feeling good in that version of success, even if society doesn't necessarily deem it to be successful? Mm, oh, this is such a powerful conversation. I want to just sort of frame this first off when I started my business the second time. Oh my gosh, you're going to laugh. My goal was a thousand dollars a month. I was yeah. like, I have some savings. I was like, if I can do a thousand dollars a month for three months, that was my, I was like, that will show me I'm onto something that I can do this. And as I grew, my definition of success has shifted. So I'm really open and transparent to talk about my income, right? I recently had a $35,000 month in my business, but I always tell people that is one month. Let's look at my average months. Like that's actually more powerful. So on average, I'm right around 15 to 17 average months. Right now that feels successful to me. Mm -hmm. I get to stay home. I get to contribute to my family. I'm working a reasonable amount. I honestly work about eh, 10 to 12 hours a week. Like that feels really good. And that is successful to me. I don't have this internal pressure of like, I need to get to that 50 K month that I see preached in the coaching industry. Now, before my goal was 5 K and it really, that is still like kind of my goal is like, if I can do 5 K I'm feeling really hot and, you know, in my business, hot and heavy in my business. And I think just operating from that place and not putting this like over pressure cooker energy has allowed me to expand. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about like, your idea of success of being good enough for society. I have clients who their goal is 3000 a month. They're like, if I can replace my corporate income and that's what I most commonly see is like, well, my definition of success is replacing my corporate income because we haven't really divested from that, which is fine because people do need to survive. We need to acknowledge that there are real systems and structures in place that people need to meet in order for them to operate and live comfortably. So when you're defining your success, the first thing I like to look at is I've mentioned this before, like what's your energetic minimum? What do you need to have coming into your business that is like going to meet all your bills survival? And then I say, what's your expansive vision? Like what would feel really good? Those range. It might be 5k. If your goal is three and you're like, wow, an extra $2,000 a month is life changing. Mm-hmm. And it could be 10k, whatever you want it to be. But I always like to look at like, what's your minimum? And then what's like your stretch goal, especially as a coach, like my job is to help expand you. Mm -hmm. So everyone's definition of success is different. And when you're butting up against society's definition, which is like create the seven figure business, like you need to be at this operating level. There's a quote from Lisa Nichols that I really like. And it's, I woke up and I liked myself today. So your like is extra. If you feel good in your business and it's meeting your needs, 
this idea is very um, Western to just be in this space of consumerism. I need more, 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 more. And the finish line of enough will continue to move until you learn to embody enoughness at, internally. I have seen it time and time again. You reach the 10K months and you don't even celebrate. You're like, okay, now 15, now 20, now 30. Well, when is it enough? When do you get to be happy? When do you feel satisfied? When do you feel proud? Instead of just being on this never ending, you know, hamster wheel of moreness and scaling too quickly, that also can create a lot of cracks in the foundation of your business. So it's like learning to embody that and learning to self-coach, learning to come into a space of up-leveling your self-concept. When someone doesn't feel like their version of success is good enough for society, that's normally a a ting for me, if you will, that we need to come back to their self-concept because they're seeking outward validation for something that isn't really like you don't work for anyone. So the only validation you really need is yours and what you're able to create. And if you're happy. Yeah. I have definitely noticed in myself, the further in time I pull away from my corporate experience, the easier it is to kind of center things around myself and my needs. And, and it's funny that the way that you talked about that is the way I talk about financial goals too. Of serve, what do you need to survive and what do you need to thrive is kind of how I break it down. Um, and for me, my number of what I need to survive is about $5,000 a month that pays yeah. my mortgage, pays the bills and things are good, literal survival. But for me to thrive, my goal is around $8,000 a month. Yeah. So, and I feel like these are things that, that need to be said out loud. Like there's so few people. I remember, do you remember this years ago? How long have you been in business? I'm going on four years. So we, I'm about three years in. So we started relatively around the same time. Um, do you remember years ago how income reports used to be a thing? Mm. Posts of like what I made this month, how I made it, break it down. I loved those. Yeah. It wasn't just the people who were getting like $50,000 months. Like it was, it, it was a lot of different people in a wide perspective of income ranges. And having that level of, um, what's it called? The ability to like see transparency. Thank you. <laughs> having that, that level of transparency really set the tone in my mindset of like, it's okay if you make $50,000 a month, but it's also okay if you make $5,000 a month and different people are doing it different ways. And I wish more people would do that. And I love that you share your income for that reason. Well, thank you. I share it for that reason, because when I was starting my business, I was seeing these astronomical numbers, but there was like, do you want to make $20,000 a month? I'm like, check. Yes, of course. I would love that. Sign me up. Right. But then I was, would sit with it. So I'm a Virgo. I have some logic energy (laughs) come through (laughs) and I would be like, okay, but how are you realistically creating those numbers? Like, where's that income coming from? And I never saw that clarity, which made me kind of go into this spiral of like, well, they're making it up or this, this must be a trick. And it didn't create any trust between me and that coach. Mm -hmm. And so when I was thinking about coaching, I'm like, people need to know where these forms of income are coming from. Like, how is this actually possible? 
in order for them to put themselves in the story and know that this is a vehicle that they can also implement in their business. Yeah. And honestly, the thought that I always have is maybe you're making fifty, hundred thousand dollar months, but at what expense? Like at whose oh expense? Honestly. And I think we could do an entire conversation all about that, but, but I don't think we have time to break it down today, but that that's always been a driver in my business is I feel like there's a whole other conversation to be had about just because you can set your own prices and you can continuously increase what it costs to work with you and have access to you doesn't mean that you necessarily should do that because you're often pricing out the people that you started your business to help. And that doesn't sit right with me personally. I feel that on a soulful level, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And I also want to comment having been in the industry and seen some back ends of businesses, you know, those 50 K months, when you think about that too, it, it's so eye opening. the deeper you go down the rabbit hole of how exploitative their business model is set up to be like mm-hmm. hiring VAs for like, you know, $5 an hour to build their entire website and not using ethical sources of labor and paying people fairly. And it's just so interesting to me because they're like 50 K months. And I'm like, but you can't afford to pay someone the bare minimum prices that you would be paying. Like what in the world? So that's always out of energetic alignment for me anyway. (laughs) I feel like this is one of those things that if we could just peek behind the curtain in other people's businesses to recognize maybe they're achieving some lofty goal that we theoretically want, but like, how are they achieving it? And does that feel good? And would you want to run your business in the same way? And if the answer is no, then maybe that goal is not the one that you want to set for yourself. Yeah, and definitely definition of success, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like it goes along the same vein of the idea of regardless of what somebody is making it, everybody presents this like extremely successful front on social media, which is why I love having these conversations where we literally say like, the only money I need a month is $5,000, right? Like, because it, yeah. re- it resets the norm and I feel like when we have these, when we present ourselves in a way that might not be reality, it does so much more harm than good. Going back to the conversation of expectations versus reality in your business. And something really kind of cool to highlight between our conversation is both of us, our goal is 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I make more than 5,000. I bring more into my business, but you probably bring in more than 5,000 too, but both of our goals are the same, which is so interesting because four years, well, three years, four years in business, you would probably be thinking, oh, your goal should be 20K by now, should be 50K by now. (laughs) Honestly, I would say my average is probably right about 5,000 a month. Okay. Also, I would say that because I went off the deep end earlier this year and started changing everything that I did. (laughs) And I'm writing it back in right now. (laughs) But actually that's going to create expansion for you because I can't tell you how many times both with clients and in my own business where I've like burned it to the ground and rebuilt it because it didn't fit anymore. I was like, Ooh, that version of me doesn't fit anymore. 
And that's very energetic that people don't realize they're just like, Oh, I don't like it anymore. Or, Oh, and I'm not selling it as much. Well, the reason you're not selling it is energetic. It's like, you've changed and not the offer. Yes. You're going to create so much expansion from that. Oh my gosh. I wish we had time to dive into this, but I feel like it's already been 40 minutes. So I need to ask you my favorite question before we wrap this up. And that is, we touched on it a little bit. So you tell me if you want to leave things as, as is, or if you have another idea, but what bothers you? What would you like to see changed in this space for the better? What do we need to acknowledge and talk about? Well, on top of the bro marketing, honestly, I really am here to disrupt and bring more transparency. Mm -hmm. I really think that that's what's needed when we talk about coaching or this online service industry in general is transparency because it is so easy to want to highlight these shiny pieces and not talk about the process. And so I'm a very process oriented coach Mm -hmm. and through falling in love with the process, like you can reach these amazing goals instead of the opposite, which is like, let me show you the shiny goal. And then I'm going to like kill you in the process of hustle and like 40 million things a day that you have to do to get there. Um, so I really would say transparency is, is something that's just so needed. People are tired of the old paradigm. They're so tired of it. So transparency chef's kiss. (laughs) Well, and I would say, Also, this relates back to our whole conversation about marketing and six-figure months. And one of my biggest things, I've talked about this on the podcast before, so sorry, y'all, if this is repetitive, but um, one of my biggest issues with it is that it skips the process, right? You go from like brand new business to six-figure business, and but what about the in-between? What did it take to get you there and like why aren't we talking about all of the steps involved instead of just saying like, boom, there's the solution. There's the end point. So I think it's true kind of in, in both cases of the transparency of what it takes to build the business, but also what it takes to like reach that Holy grail of, of a success point. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, you're speaking my language on so many levels. <laughs> I know. I feel like this whole time we're just, we're right here. <laughs> Most definitely. Awesome. Well, I have enjoyed this so much. I feel like we covered a billion things, but they were all just, they all needed to be said. So if you guys want to hear more from Aubriana, I'm going to say go follow her TikTok because I'm obsessed with it. But do you want to tell everybody where they can find you online? And uh, if you have like a freebie or anything like that, they can grab. Yeah, you can absolutely connect with me on TikTok. It's at Aubriana K. My Instagram is Aubriana K and my website is at, it's www.aubrianak.com. So it's all really um, natural. And anyone who always signs up for my email list, I always have rolling free masterclasses. So right now it's sales energetics. It's going to be about income stacking in the future, probably when this episode comes out, since it's a few months away, which is going to show you the framework of how you can create multiple streams of income and leverage it in your business. So if that's something that you're interested in, this is of course going to have an energetic spin to it. Um, So if that's up your alley, I invite you to come and see that free little masterclass and hopefully glean something from it. I always like to say my masterclasses are not sales pitches. So I really truly hope you leave with something that will help you. Amazing. There's that transparency. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Probably Bothered today and sharing your thoughts and your ideas and and your energy with us. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it more than you know. My absolute pleasure. This was such an expansive conversation and really just, uh, this was really nice, like meaty things to get into that it's just really nice to share some, some thoughts with someone. So thank you for having me truly. Of course. Okay. My favorite part of this conversation was when Abriana said, making sure to have the capacity to be consistent in the face of what works, what doesn't having the capacity to be consistent and also trusting so much in your business and yourself and your offer to have a plan B because you know that it's right. And that is something I know at times I have not done in my business. So those were the two things I needed to hear today. I'm curious, what did you need to hear? Please message me, message Abriana. Let us know your thoughts about this episode and be sure to go ahead and give her a follow too, because her content is just, it's, it's wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, if you resonated with this conversation, if you would like to pass it along to a friend, I would be endlessly grateful. And if you want to subscribe or leave a review as well, that would make my day. It would make my week if we're being honest. Until next week, this was Probably Bothered.